Welcome to the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. Today, I've got Chris Prefontaine on the show. Chris, he is a four-time best-selling author of Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, and Sell with Authority for Real Estate Investors. He's also the founder and chairman of Wicked Smart Coaching Companies and the host of Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. He's been in the business for over 31 years. He's done everything from new construction, commercial, residential, He's been through three or four different market down cycles. I'm excited to jump into that with him today because I know that we've got like the most anticipated recession of all time and people are excited to hear kind of what, how people are positioning themselves for this. And now he spends his days, he's completed over a hundred million in transaction and he runs his own creative financing business. So he's in the trenches every single day preaching what he teaches. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. Glad to be here, buddy. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to dive in. And hopefully while we're talking, we'll share some nuggets along the way. Yeah, man. The honor is is all mine. I'm excited to have you on here. So it's not every day that you get somebody on the show that's got 31 years of experience in, in weathering multiple economic cycles. I want to touch base on the economic cycles here in a second because we're getting into the recession. I'm very anxious to hear how you're positioning your portfolio, how you're adjusting you know, what you're adjusting in your business. But before we get there, maybe kind of give us the backstory on, you know, how you got started, how'd you get in the game and how did you get to doing what you're doing today? Yeah, I'll be super brief, 10,000 foot view, and then you can bring me back to any piece of that. Um, so I started out actually, my dad sold a company. It wasn't real estate. It was a welding supply company. And then I, cause I said to him, look, I'm building some homes on the side with a builder and having some fun. So we, we kind of did our own thing. Um, I transitioned from building homes and it wasn't me building, by the way, I couldn't save my life, but I had a partner that did that in the field. I found the land and he did that. In the nineties, uh, mid nineties, I bought a realty executives franchise for those agents out there, the realtors out there that might be listening. I sold that to Cobalt Banker in 2000. Um, and then from 2000 till the crash, I was coaching, uh, agents throughout the United States and Canada. They weren't investors. They were agents at the time. Mm-hmm. And doing my own deals. And then, uh, like I was telling you, Apria, Brandon, uh, the crash really opened my eyes, made me re-engineer everything because at that time I had like 22 properties or so, a mix of things too, condo conversions, commercial, residential. And I was on every loan personally. And that was a big boo-boo in hindsight. And so I had to work out that whole mess out. It took four years, February, well, eight, I remember like it was yesterday till February of 12. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, I was so spent. I said, am I going to get back in the biz? The answer was yes, under certain rules. And that was don't, we're not using banks and signing personally. And we're not using gobs of our own cash. It's just not going to happen. And, and, and not using our credit. I had none of those, right? Coming out of the crash. None. Going into it. I had it all going out. Nothing. So, uh, we re-engineered everything. And if you fast forward to today, as you alluded to, we do, we be my son and son of law and a great team. We buy in this area in New England, three or four states, no banks, uh, very rare for us to put down any cash. Uh, outside of a 500 or less deposit and uh, don't pledge our credit and do that ever, 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 ever. Uh, and we then teach that all across North America with students just like you and I. That's amazing. That nothing could be better when you are dictating your own terms for the financing. So you've pretty much removed that entire risk of the bank being able to come back and 
repossess the property and then go after all your assets. I'm sure you've probably structured some things where, you know, worst case, maybe the owner kind of repossesses it, but they're not going after your entire portfolio. Is that kind of fair to say? Well, yeah. So when you're doing things on terms, broad, broad answer to your, to your good point is you have, you have different leverage. You're talking to a seller. What do you need from the seller? If there's, if there's, uh, some pivots needed, usually just more time. Mm-hmm. Then why would they say no? They don't want the property back. So you negotiate more time or you negotiate some lag in payment, whatever it might be. It's not hard, not hard at all versus trying to negotiate with a bank. You're not negotiating with a bank. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. I, I spent four years like a part-time job with my son in the next office. He probably got an education and a half just dealing with that mess. And mm-hmm. I would, you know, I'll never do that again. So let's go down the road. I want to get into the, the economics, the upcoming recession. Like I said, it's the most anticipated recession. Everybody's wondering, you know, what do I need to do with my portfolio? Yeah. What adjustments do I need to make in my business? You just named probably one of the biggest risk reduction levers, which is buying things on seller financing, assuming, yeah. assuming mortgages. Talk to us more about that and how people in the audience can utilize this strategy to reduce their risk and negotiate their own terms. Maybe even give us some examples or some stories of how you've done this. Yeah, sure. There's there's so many. Um, so you mentioned just now a couple of sentences that you mentioned sort of two strategies we use. One is owner financing and one is subject to existing financing. And we we never assume, just so I can clarify a couple of things, the mortgage, just so that the, the, the new listener might think, oh, okay, assume you got to go apply. It's like you're getting a loan. No, we actually, uh, so I'll I'll discuss both. Subject to existing financing means we buy the property, loan stays in the seller's name until such time we cash it out. We own it, but the the guarantee and the loan is still in the seller's name. That is usually, that usually lends itself or comes from what circumstance? Usually they, they, they need financial relief. That's usually the case. We just did one to, to give you an example, not far from here in a resort area. The couple uh, had a nice home, uh, nice area. Again, it's a resort area. But they got a divorce. They had finance on credit cards, some of the rehab, probably saw the home uh, home network channels and figured, okay, I can rehab houses. They got stuck and there was not an amicable divorce. So they wanted out. That's a typical example of just take care of my house. I don't care if it stays in my name. I'm out of here. So we bought that uh, very well. And we have um, one of our buyers in it. We call them tenant buyers. Um, we can go back to that if you want it later. But that so that's an example of why a sub two happens. They usually want out tomorrow. Change kind of the other option of the fence would be owner financing. Owner financing, we sort of, I don't want to say target, but we look for free and clear homes, free, no mortgage. The building I'm literally standing in right now is my office building with multiple units in it. And we bought this from an owner who had no mortgage on it. Now, why do I like that? Two reasons. One, they did something right to get there, right? They're debt free. So they know how to manage that, their finances. Presumably they don't need the cash now. They would have pulled it out. So we give them full price usually, no problem, especially if they'll give us a long enough term because we typically, 99% of our deals do principal only payments. So think about that to your point about recession hedge. Um, you get a house. We, we did one down here uh, on the water for almost a million dollars and you do principal only payments. We did 2,500 a month on this oceanfront one. That's 30 grand a year coming off of principal without you marking it up or doing anything else or cash flowing it, 30 grand a year. You can't get that, as everybody knows, in a conventional mortgage. So that's why I love free and flow and financing. And then I, that's why I love sub twos. And then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you here. Sub twos, think of this. We're getting properties as recent as this week and last week with interest rates of 2.6 to 3.6. Well, what are the rates right now? A lot higher than that. 
Mm-hmm. That is super cool. Talk about cash flow and stuff. So I, anyway, I could go on and on. Those are two favorite strategies that you brought up. All right. So you're going after people where you can do a, you know, subject to and then seller financing where with the seller financing, they own everything outright and you're basically negotiating your own terms. One of the huge wins that I've learned when it comes to seller financing, especially when they own it outright is one of the reasons somebody might not want to sell it and be in a tough position is they get hit with a huge tax liability. And correct me if I'm wrong. If they do, if they sell it on terms and, you know, they're only receiving, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, or maybe if it's as, as small as ten or twenty thousand dollars a year, they're only taxed on that income, not a big old, you know, million dollar or multi-million dollar sell. Is that right? Yeah, they're actually even less. They're actually only tax and I don't want I'm not a CPA, but they're only taxed, especially yeah. when we do principal only on the portion of the payment that's subject to capital gains, because they have a basis, presumably. They may not. But they're only getting taxed, but uh, according to the piece of that that's subject to capital gains. Yeah. So huge, huge benefit in for for both parties, honestly, yeah. especially in an environment where you've got these rising rates and people don't want to sell at the certain price. We put a piece of land under contract where we paid twice as much of what the current value is, but we bought it on terms over a 30-year period and it worked out beautifully because it cash flowed from the get-go. So price doesn't matter as long as you get your terms. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. With this guy here, I live, the, the, the highway's not a highway, but it's a four-lane road right in front of my building here. And he put a four-by-eight sign up that said, for sale by owner, owner financing. You know what he got for calls? Realtor saying, can I list it? And realtor saying, I have a credential buyer. And he kept saying, I, that's not what I want. I have a sign that says, I want him. I want him. <laughs> So I came yeah. in, if he was in this office where I stand right now before I, you know, before I rehabbed it. And it took us literally about 15 minutes. To structure deal. And then the attorneys calls that they happen to be in the same office. Picture that compared to going into the bank, like I used to do, underwriting commercially, 25, 35% down, microscope everywhere, you know, to look at everything you have. I didn't yeah. do any of that. That's kind of the cool side of owner finance. Yeah. 100%. And again, this, this is a huge risk adjustment lever pulling it down because if you can put yourself in a situation where the banks can't come after all of your assets and you've departmentalized the risk per property and you've got an environment where your property is cash flowing based on what terms you've negotiated. I mean, this is, it's a beautiful thing. What, what other steps are you taking to prepare for what I call the most anticipated recession of, of all time, you know, personally, I guess we can start personally in your portfolio and then maybe kind of talk about how you're doing it in your business. Yeah, I'll give the, the, the answers are kind of combined, Brandon. It's a good question because we, we do have everything creatively set up on terms. So it means that in our portfolio, so I will answer both, but they're very similar. In our portfolio, we either left it alone because the term's long enough. Like this building's 20 years. I don't care what happens. Like I could care what happens in the market. I got 20 year terms here. Everything's flowing. It's great. This is more of a keeper though versus how we usually exit mm-hmm. in our, in our regular portfolio where we're exiting anywhere between three to 10 years. I might have to take out of say 50 properties. I might have to take three or four, make a phone call and get an extension from the seller. That's what I was alluding to earlier. Uh, because it, it might have been like a, a term that's coming up that I'm not comfortable with or, or whatever. So that's the worst scenario. You call and get a renegotiate or they get the property back. They don't want it. None of them want it back. So not a, not really a headache. So new deals. We're telling all the students to think about 10-year terms as kind of a, a benchmark, not three-year terms, right? There's too many uncertainties to your point. So longer terms does it. 
Uh, and then sub two is on low rates and owner financing on free and clear. And if you stick with those, you, you, I wouldn't say you'll never get in trouble because that's, but disclosure, I, it, it'd be hard pressed for you to be in trouble somewhere. You're not signing personally. You have the ability to renegotiate. And again, they don't want the properties back. Yeah. You're basically just buying cash flow, which is, you know, real yeah, numero. we have, yes, we have, uh, we trademarked a three payday system. So we put buyers in there that just need time. They need time because of credit or seasoning. Cause they start a new job or business. And that, by the way, that's huge after the crash, right? I mean, after COVID, so many people like record amounts starting their own business. Well, all those people need what we have because they need time to get a mortgage and we, we give them that through our rent to own exit. Okay. And so what steps are you taking in your, your business? I know this is tied to like your personal investments to, you know, prepare for what's coming essentially or what might come. <laughs> uh, we cashed out. So. On our deals, like our rental program, we can either push a cash out earlier uh, and help them get ready faster. Or if we want to, if we have a sub two property and there's no term ticking, we want to push it further. So there were a few in the last like 10 months that we said, okay, they're coming up on their, on their cash out date. Let's, let's push that hard. Let's get that cash out. So we probably sold off maybe 12 of them, um, out of 50 or 60. And then the rest, we know that the terms are going to be okay. The three paydays for us will keep going. It doesn't matter because our people are going to eventually cash them out. So we, we're going to keep the rest for sure. Okay. And what kind of, what are your terms look like for your typical single family property investment? You know, how long, you know, what, what interest rate, what, how is that structured? So the sub, okay, let's do all three categories, sub two owner financing and lease purchase. The sub twos, um, as we already talked about would be more whatever we took over, right? And, and there's some super low rates because in the last five years, that's what happened or three. So they're, they're between like high twos and low fours. Most mm-hmm. of them. That's awesome. No reason to get rid of that. That would be crazy. On the owner financing, because there's no interest rate and they're principal only, uh, no reason to mess with those because you're just hammering down principal. And we do creative things like, how do you extend a term if the seller says, well, not really. And you want to keep them happy. Well, we do some creative things there. Like we call, we call a seller and say, look, I know you have, I don't know, four years left, let's say of your term. What if I prepay? We did this on a house. What if we prepay six grand? Cause we had another deal coming in with cash. Mm-hmm. If we prepay six grand, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you're already getting $923 a month principal. But if we prepay six grand on the principal, mm-hmm. will you extend the term for a year? Three years in a row, they said yes. The third year, this is supposed to be a four year deal. Now it's a six year. The third year, they hit us with an email and said, Hey, will you do that thing again? Cause they like the cash flow. They retired. And we said, um, actually, we have an idea. How about if we extend it 15 years and we add interest? And I think we added 3.1% or something crazy. And they said their CPA loved it and we extended it. So a four-year deal becomes like a 21-year deal, just like that. And it was a win-win. So so that's those two deals. On the lease purchase, they're a little, um, they're a little more exposed with respect to our conversation about the economy. Because with a, with a lease purchase, oftentimes it's someone's primary residence. And if they're out, as you know, past three years, then they have that exclusion where they don't have to get taxed on it kicks in. So we tend to do 36 months or less on those typically. And if we do, those can be a little tricky, right? Because the market could do whatever in the next three years. And then you'd have to go back and renegotiate that a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when that you're basically saying, hey, in, 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 in the three years, I'm going to lease it with an option to buy it. At that point. And then, yeah. so that gives you three years to basically figure out if this asset's going to work or not and make adjustments as needed if the economy or whatever changes. So it's, it's not going all in. It's kind of dipping your toes in the water, seeing how things go and then making that decision once you're comfortable. Yeah, legally. But then I, there's the moral ethical side because when we commit to a seller and then we put a tenant buyer in there, 
if that tenant buyer can't cash out, technically, you know, we owe it to the seller to either fix that or renegotiate that, right? Sure. So we try to do the right thing in that respect because there's too many people that go, well, legally I can do this. Okay, great. But then you trash your reputation, right? So we want to make sure we do the right thing for the seller and try to make it amicable all the way around. Okay. So you're looking for win-wins for everybody. Yeah. Top down. Now, when you control, I think you said you control around 60 to $80 million of, of real estate, you know, with little to mo- no money down, you know, not signing any loans. Obviously you're, you're going through these very unique pathways in order to get there. How, how would you teach somebody to go out and find these types of opportunities, especially you know, given the economic environment that we're in, if they want to, you know, use this lever to reduce their risk and negotiate their own terms, like where did, where does that start? How would you go about looking for these types of opportunities? It's the best time, actually. So let me give some context to that. Two or three months prior to everybody figuring out COVID. So I'm talking about March, April, May 20. It was like just fishing in a barrel because people didn't know what to do. They, they needed a guide. And our, our, what we call taken is homes under contract in our community went sky high, like by three times. We took in that many properties in 90 days. Why? Mm. Cause there was uncertainty. Then the market got real hot, as you know, and it was, you, we had to talk to a lot more sellers to get a deal. Now it's turned back. Now we're seeing more expired listings. That's one category we work on. We're seeing less success with FISBOs, another category we work on. We're seeing the tired landlord category, which yes, you can buy a list of tired landlords. We're seeing that category rise because some of that went through some cycles and then COVID are probably going, you know what? I'm not going to this cycle and they're looking to sell. So there's just never been a more, uh, a more prevalent time to say, I got all these categories to pick from to find deals. It's been awesome and, and growing the demand. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy how quick the market has changed and continues yeah. to flip flop. Now, I want to get your opinion of what's going on in, you know, the, the broader economy and what's happening with, you know, the real estate market. You've been doing this for 31 years. So you've been through the OA, you've been through the, the, the COVID crisis. You've been through the, you know, the saving, I think you might have been around the savings and loan, um, crisis as well. So what, what is your opinion given everything that's going on? We've had this crazy rise in interest rates that have, kind of put a lot of the commercial loans up against an upcoming wall, right? Yeah. You've got something around $1.2 trillion of commercial loans that are coming due uh, this year, next year. They don't pencil. So that's a little bit of a tsunami that could hit. You've got rising geopolitical tensions with Russia, China. You've got this war in Ukraine, uh, a divided political party here in the United States. And you've got these, these, these crazy run up in interest rates and we're coming off of the craziest bull market in history. I mean, it seems like things are going to be a little bit bumpy, but I want to get your personal opinion. What do you think, you know, the next, you know, six to 12 months may hold for, you know, investors and then, you know, maybe even real estate investors in general? Yeah. So let me just say this to the listeners first. I, in my opinion, um, I'm not an economist, but I know that. Even the billionaires don't know. Like you and I don't know. We no one knows. You and I can speculate, like you just said, and I agree with what you just said, but we don't know, right? So what I do know is this. It's very in the creative real estate space, it's in my opinion, bias, it's the safest zone given all that stuff you just said. Because one thing that I that I would categorize everything you said is is I would predict continued uncertainty and the need for guidance. That that's what I will put my hat on, but I don't know what that means because no one knows. 
I agree with everything you said. That spells chaos and uncertainty. Chaos and uncertainty spells people need people that know how to structure deals and pivot and be creative. And so instead of, like I hear, doc, we have doctor friends that, I don't know, for six years, one of them has been telling my wife, Kim, oh, yeah, I'm going to wait till this. I'm going to wait till this. I'm going to wait till this. How about just learn how to pivot in any market and structure deals in any market and work in any market? So when the media is screaming uncertainty, which they are now, rightfully so, you can go ahead and capitalize on that. That's what, that's the best position to be in. So understand how to creatively structure deals in any market. It's just a matter of what pond you fish in mm-hmm. and not worry about all the chaos going on because there is chaos going on. Um, that didn't directly answer, I don't think, but that's, that's my best opinion. Yeah. Where do you think the capital flows are, are going right now in times of uncertainty? Do you, I mean, do you think that's investors flocking to, you know, treasury bills? Do you think that it's, it's cash just sitting on the sidelines, kind of like your doctor friend wanting to know, like, what the heck happens next? Uh, do you think it's flowing into certain types of real estate? Cause in my opinion, recession resistance, the one question you got to ask is, is money going to continue to pour? into that asset class during these economic contractions, or is it at least going to be stabilized as more, or, or is money going to pour out of it? Right. I mean, that, that tells you pretty much everything. Yeah. I, I honestly wish I could give you a, a little bit more intelligent answer on this. I, I, I'm not a specialist with this. However, Brandon, I think there's two different, I won't say there's three meaning the mid, but there's the lower and the upper cash positions, meaning big, 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 big players. I don't know where they're headed, frankly, mm-hmm. but players that maybe you and I would know about, um, depending on the niche and depending on the geographic area, i.e. apartments, i.e. demand in a lot of areas still, i.e. Uh, create a business in general. Like I have some people that do some private deals with us that are investors that when we want to do that, a special deal mm-hmm. and they know what we do. So they know we know how to pivot. So, so we're attractive, but that's tiny. Like we're simple, right? Um, so I don't know on the grander scale where that's flowing. Do I think because of the media, a lot of people are going to cash, going to treasury, going to very selected people they can trust in real estate. Yeah. But, but again, I don't think that's the big dollars. I think big, big for me and you, but not the big players, you know? Yeah. No, understood there. Well, if people want to learn more about your coaching program, connect with you, uh, where should they go? Um, we put together a link that I told you before we started the show. Uh, so we give them that free books. I'm big on free. There's just so much stuff being marketed into our whole conversation. A lot of uncertainty. So go check our stuff out for free. If it's something you go, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd want to pursue it further. Great. I'll chat with you. If it's something you, you don't want to, great. You, you look for free. You spend some time. You get a little content and you go somewhere else. And that's okay too. So go to wicked smart books, wicked smart books.com forward slash Brandon. So we know it came from this show. That won't be one of those offers that say it's free, but put in shipping. We will ship it. They're hard copies and you'll get some other surprises in there, but you will have some cool books that are bestsellers. Uh, secondly, if you don't mind listening to my New England accent for 55 more minutes, you can, <laughs> you can check out my master's class. I chat with you. I go quickly. It's my style, but I give you a lot of content. It's 55 minutes and that's at smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class. Hey, go check out the stuff. It's, it's free content. It's free books. This is a phenomenal strategy that works really in any economic environment, but especially during times of uncertainty, times of recessions. Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on this show. I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Pleasure. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you.